Good evening. As we begin this part of our assembly, we hope you'll open your Bible in just a moment. We will be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a favorite verse of mine for several reasons. One, it captures the ongoing energy and passion for the Lord's work that ought to be exhibited in the behavior of every Christian and something we ought to strive to increase. The ongoing energy and passion for the Lord's work. Two, this comes in a context that holds out great and rich hope and assurance that as we expend this energy in the Lord's work, we anticipate what I'm going to call the death of death. Hold that thought. I'll explain in just a moment. Here's the verse. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Well, I hope you can see what I mean. And I want you to consider with me a few moments the context of this verse. The context is the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians in Corinth about their hope, the hope Christians have of being raised from the dead someday and having that victory because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of this message of hope to Christians, there is a statement that death will, in the resurrection for God's people, no longer have any power over us. We will be raised to glory. So listen to some of this. I'm going to start at verse 54 in 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to read 54 down through 58, and you'll see how this rich hope leads to the conclusion about what we ought to be doing today, every one of us. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is all about our final victory, granted by God's grace, made possible by Christ's death. Here on earth... We struggle with pain and deal with fear and 
all kinds of negative realities that seem never to end on earth. Paul is assuring us the earthly will give way to the heavenly for those who are abounding in the work of the Lord. Let me say again, the earthly will give way to the heavenly for those who are abounding in the work of the Lord. Here's another way to approach this and think about it. <clears throat> As you read 1 Corinthians 15, and you are attracted to and awakened by the hope of this resurrection victory, this death of death into glory, if you want what Paul describes, the final verse of the chapter describes how you need to be living right now. Let me say that again. If I want to be raised from the dead to a glorious, eternal existence with God forever, this is what I need to be doing now. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So if I want what Paul promises, previous to verse 58, I need to make certain that my life matches what verse 58 describes. I need to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing something, knowing that in the Lord my labor is not in vain. We're going to talk about this now in specifics. Let me take this apart. Let's unpack some of this. And I want us to look at this word steadfast. The Apostle Paul says to Christians, be steadfast. That's what we must be before we have that final resurrection victory. Be steadfast now. What does it mean to Christians here where it says, be steadfast? Let's look into that. It begins with commitment to God. Steadfastness without commitment to God is just energy expended. Steadfastness without commitment to God is just energy expended. I mean, you may come to a building and you may give generously and you may serve others in a variety of ways and you may learn more and more Bible through classes and individual study. But if that activity isn't grounded in your personal commitment to God, it is just energy expended. It has no spiritual value until it is connected to your personal commitment to God. True steadfastness is consistent energy expended in the work of the Lord that comes from a heart that is committed to Him. So that's the controlling factor of this continual expansion of energy. When you were baptized, if you were scripturally engaged in that initial act of obedience, 
At the center of that decision was your commitment to God. You became aware by listening to the word of God that you were guilty as a sinner, having disobeyed God in various ways. But you also heard the good news that Jesus died for you so that you could be forgiven and cleansed and brought into fellowship with God. And therefore you made a decision. Hearing the gospel, you confessed your faith, you repented of your sin, and in being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, you were making a personal commitment to God about how you would conduct the rest of your life. The ideal is that commitment not only begins in baptism, it remains in place in your heart and it becomes robust. It expands, it grows, and it finds new ways of engagement. If you see yourself today, therefore, lacking in steadfastness, that signals a drop in your commitment to God. And you must address that. It is urgent that you address it through prayer and feeding your faith with the Word and getting your focus on the example of Christ, joining with other Christians and what God has directed that we do together. The steadfastness of this passage is energy expended consistently that comes from this foundational commitment to God. And Jesus died for us to be able to be committed to God and for that commitment to find expression in steadfastness, energy expended in the Lord's work and that we grow in that. Further, let's explore some examples of how steadfastness based on commitment would work out. We're going to get even more specific. Steadfastness is really about doing what you need to be doing before God, not occasionally, but consistently. I believe a lot of people today want to be occasional Christians. They're willing to attend a few services if nothing else is going on, that they feel like doing. Seldom do they ever pick up a Bible and really dig in, maybe in some cases not even owning one, praying only in time of crisis, no continuing consistent obligation to actively participate in a sound local church, <clears throat> but having a little guilt from time to time they start doing a little bit better for a month or so, and then they drift back into what I'm going to call the occasional mode. Casual, nominal, marginal Christianity, absent personal commitment to God. Letting others carry the load, not a daily, steadfast disciple of the Lord. That's the trend in so many. That's the burden that local churches have to carry and families in the Lord's work. An absence of mature, steadfast discipline based on commitment to God. Well, let's go further. What does this steadfastness look like? Balanced, 
discipleship. That means you're not just good at one or two things. You're putting forth full effort about everything the Lord has directed that Christians do. Balanced discipleship. That means you're not just good at attending and giving. You're good at being the husband God wants you to be. Good at being a faithful wife. Children obeying their parents. Parents devoted to raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Using your skills and talents in the local church. Responding to the needs of other Christians. Speaking the gospel to your friends and neighbors. Being an encourager. Showing gratitude to God and to Christians who help you and who exhibit their devotion to the Lord in so many ways. Maintaining good thought discipline. That's about attitude. Exercising care about your words. See, steadfastness that is based on your commitment to God and that is not occasional but consistent will exhibit itself in balanced discipleship. Steadfastness will also show up in what I'm going to call personal inner devotion and reverence for God. Now, all of this gets back to commitment. That's the groundwork of steadfastness. It is highly valuable to spend some time, I think every day, with personal, quiet thoughts of God's goodness to you, to me. Perhaps after your daily Bible reading or accompanied by prayer. That, I think, is an expression of steadfastness that is balanced and that is not occasional. Spending time thinking about Sincerely, God's goodness exhibited to you and what your response to that goodness ought to be. Then I want to add, steadfastness maintains itself in your relationship with other Christians. Your good treatment of brothers and sisters in Christ. Your thoughtful use of opportunities to serve your simple goodwill, your avoidance of any resentment or prejudice. Steadfastness is grounded in your commitment to God. It steers a course away from occasional discipleship. It shows up rather in balanced discipleship and healthy personal devotional time that you spend concentrating on the goodness and grace of God that you've been engaged in and blessed by. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, Paul doesn't offer this as an option, does he? He doesn't say, now, you might consider if you want to do this, it, it'd be a supplement. It is absolutely necessary if you want to anticipate the glorious resurrection 
he describes before verse 58. Paul says, be steadfast. Have you ever heard of a man named Samuel Taylor Coleridge? Samuel Taylor Coleridge, well-known poet, literary critic, and philosopher, lived in England, died in 1834. Brilliant man, loaded with talent, enjoyed opportunity to have as great an impact as William Wadsworth. Coleridge wrote The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. He wrote Kubla Khan. If you ever heard the quote, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink, Coleridge wrote that line. He died in 1834 in great depression and misery because of lost opportunities he could have seized. And he became a cocaine addict. It was often said of him after his death in 1834, he could have done so much more. William Barclay wrote about Coleridge with these words. Coleridge is the supreme tragedy of indiscipline. Never did so great a mind produce so little. He left Cambridge University to join the army. He left the army because he could not rub down a horse. He returned to Oxford and left without a degree. He began a paper called The Watchman, which lived for only ten issues and then died. It has been said of him, he lost himself in visions of work to be done that always remained undone. Coleridge had every poetic gift but one, the gift of sustained and concentrated effort. In his head and in his mind, he had all kinds of books, as he said himself, completed, safe for transcription. I am on the eve, he says, of sending to the press two volumes. But the books were never composed outside of Coleridge's mind, because he would not face the discipline of sitting down to write them out. Then Barclay said, No one ever reached any eminence, and no one having reached it ever maintained it without discipline. I believe there are people in churches everywhere with highly valuable resources and skills, unused, People who simply need to make the serious commitment or recommitment to the Lord to be steadfast. I need to remind myself, and you can join me in this, we cannot move closer to the Lord by doing less. By backing away from challenges that we can undertake, by being movable, is there more I can do? Is there more you can do? The work of the Lord is to be done by His workers. We need to be His workers. Because we love the Lord, we've made a commitment. 
We want to be daily disciples who are balanced of Jesus Christ. And we long for that glorious resurrection. So after Paul describes that resurrection, he says, here's what you need to do to have it. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's be standing as we say.